This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the privilege to interview uh, Gino Wickman. Gino, how you doing? Great. How are you, Brett? I am wonderful, man. I got to hold a couple things up here. <laughs> You've seen these a time or a thousand. Once or twice. For those that are listening, uh, I am holding up his uh, two of his books. He's got numerous books, but Entrepreneurial Leap, phenomenal book, and uh, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. Uh, phenomenal. So I read uh, Traction last year and I read uh, Entrepreneurial Leap this year. And uh, man, those are phenomenal books. So congrats. Thanks, my friend. That means a lot. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're coming to us from Michigan. I'm coming from St. Louis. And so uh, we, I guess, are you, a, are you a Tigers fan? Uh, I'm not a big baseball guy. So okay. Lions, embarrassingly, I'm okay. a big football fan. So All that's right. the Lions are my team. Well, I had hurts. to get a jab back and somebody I had on yesterday, they were Red Sox fans and they got us twice <laughs> in the World Series. And I was just going to, you know, maybe bring up the 06 World Series. I'm a huge Cardinal fan. So yeah. anyway, we'll talk about that on some other podcasts. But uh, <laughs> every show, Gino, I like to start off with kind of what's made you the man you are today. Obviously, you don't wake up and have this uber successful business and write books and do all this kind of stuff that you've done and, and, and had a great career. But maybe give us the backstory. What's made Gino the man you are today? Yeah, that's an interesting way to word that, you know, so that what it prompts for me is starting off by saying I moved nine times by the time I was 10. So uh, wow. that's got to have an effect on a human being. Uh, but I had a very entrepreneurial father. And, and so, you know, I think there's something in, in that many moves. Um, and then having an entrepreneurial father and uh, being around that has certainly made me who I am. Um, uh, living a wild and crazy entrepreneur's life prior to taking my leap, having ADHD, OCD, all of the uh, uh, psychological disorders that go along with being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, barely graduated high school with a solid 2.3 grade point average. Uh, having fun was a lot more interesting to me than book learning. Uh, not going to college. I just wanted to go make money. Academics were not for me. My friends all went off to college and I said, I'm going to make money. And, uh, um, you know, found myself taking over a family business at the age of 25 years old. Um, and so this amazing run in my 20s. And so I took over a family business. I worked my way up from the bottom up. And uh, after a bunch of kind of entrepreneurial endeavors leading up to that and uh, found myself uh, taking over a family business that was in need of a turnaround. And I really felt like I could do it. I felt like I could save it. And so in about three years, I turned that company around, armed with two incredible mentors, my dad, uh, Floyd Wickman, and an incredible businessman by the name of Sam Cup. 
And uh, so they both took me under their wing, taught me everything they knew. I was also just a fanatic for learning. And so turned that business around, ran it for seven years. We successfully sold it. There were three of us that owned the business, a third, third, and a third, my dad and another partner of ours at Escobar. And then I discovered my calling and why I'm on the face of this earth, and that's to help entrepreneurs. And so upon selling the business, I set off to do just that. And so for the last 20 plus years, I've built a system called EOS and wrote a book, Traction, which you held up there, and five other books that go along with it. Um, And we now have 100,000 companies running on the system that I created, an organization with 375 people we call EOS implementers that help them do that. Um, I sold that business uh, two and a half years ago. I still own 12 and a half percent. I still own all the books. I'm still the EOS guy. Half my working time is still EOS because I still have clients, which is my number one love. But the other 50% of my time is what I decided to do at age 50. Uh, one of the reasons I sold the business, and that's to now go to the front end of the entrepreneurial journey and help entrepreneurs in the making. Anyone out there that thinks they might be an entrepreneur help them greatly increase their odds of becoming an entrepreneur. And so I wrote a book called Entrepreneurial Leap, the other one that you wrote, and that's what I'm spending the next 10 years doing. It's a passion project, helping to find these wonderful people and help them discover what they are and get a huge jump start. The goal is to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making over the next 10 years. So those are all the things that made me who I am as we sit here at this moment. Wow. Well, that, that's like maybe we could have four or five podcasts. And dive into <laughs> I think that kind so, of stuff, yeah. yeah. So one, one thing that stuck out to me when you were talking about all that great stuff is when you said you found your passion kind of as you were building this business or maybe as you sold the business, was that something that you knew, okay, you sell it today and then tomorrow you knew, bam, I want to go do this for entrepreneurs? Or was it like, yeah, hey, I got to spend some time. You know, I've heard, I've talked to plenty of people that have sold businesses and they, they went off in the woods, you know, for two years and trying to find themselves, you know, where were you at in that, on that journey? Yeah, well, it's me, I'm a, I'm a much more of a planner than that. So, you know, having um, watched many of my clients sell their businesses, I saw a lot of the mistakes that are yeah. made by selling your business and then trying to figure it out or selling your business and remain employed by the new owners and being in hell for two to three years. So knowing all of that, I was fortunately, I was lucky enough to know exactly what I was going to do the day I sold, to know that I was not going to be involved for one freaking second in that business the day after I sold. I put an amazing team in place with my partner, Don Tinney, that was running that business already long before we sold. Uh, so I, I knew all of the mistakes and uh, and frankly, knock on wood, thank goodness, avoided them all. Yeah. Before we talk about those successes, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen? You know, I've, and me being a wealth management advisor and owning a, a wealth management firm, we've seen them as well. But what are some of the mistakes if you, if you have that person right now that's driving in their car, they're listening to this or thinking about selling their company and getting out, what, what's maybe the one or two things that you say, oh my gosh, don't do that? Yeah, for sure. Well, one is read Bo Burlington's book, Finish Big. He does a really nice job of just getting you to think and process selling your business. Should you even sell your business? Because that's the really important first decision is, you know, should you really sell your business? And and so um, the, the first thing I would share in the way of a tactical, practical thing is, first and foremost, make sure the company runs without you. You know, so ultimately, if you're that entrepreneur, I call that a visionary. If you're that visionary that founded, built the organization. Which we like that name, by the way, because my firm is called Visionary Wealth Advisors. I love it. We're, we're meant to be together. And <laughs> so right. my book, my book, Rocket Fuel, teaches that whole visionary integrator concept that I'm talking about. I wrote that with my co-author, Mark Winters. 
who would probably be a great for your podcast. Keep that in mind. But anyway, long story short is elevate yourself to that visionary role. Build an amazing leadership team that can run that company in your absence. You know, the test is, can you leave tomorrow for 30 days and come back and everything still be running the same? That's the litmus test. And so that's, that's where we got the business. Um, and so there's a great team in place. At that point, you're then going to go, huh, what do I want to do? Because this is pretty damn good life. This thing runs itself. Uh, do I want to keep it or do I want to sell it? And in most cases, you should decide to keep it because you got a pretty good thing going. But if you decide to sell, as I did, for eight reasons, um, you know, I, I, that was the first mistake I avoided was the, the entrepreneur that decides I'm going to sell sells and they're still the one holding that whole thing together, which means an employment agreement, which means you've got to work for that company right. for the next three years. Um, if you're a true entrepreneur, you are incapable of working for someone. And so it enables you to sell it and move on to the next thing. That's right. That would be number one. And then number two, as we kind of talked about already, know exactly what you're going to do the day you sell. So the mistake there is watching these painfully lost entrepreneurs that just sold their baby They've literally put the last 10, 20, 30 years in, in, of their life into this. It's all they know. And now all of a sudden, they know nothing because right. they just sold the damn thing. And somebody else is in charge. And so it's, it, I mean, literally, they go into a deep depression. Yep. Um, and uh, so, so those would be the two biggies I would yeah. strongly suggest. And, and I'm, I'm just, I love the fact that you know what you've been put on this earth to do, right? Because a lot of people, they may live their whole life and not know. So, so if you're, if you're talking to this one person, right, that maybe listen to this, it's diving into this thing and saying, gosh, what do I want to do with my life? Do you have a process? You probably do. Yeah. How do you, how do we find our purpose? I I'm, I'm so lucky to have found my purpose and know why I'm on this earth as well. Uh, yeah. But how can we help those that, that maybe not know exactly what they want to do? Find yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I would suggest two things, you know, first is, um, to give my disclaimer so that you're not giving me too much credit. All I know how to do is help an entrepreneur have an amazing freaking life, okay? That's all I know how to do. So I, I don't know how to help somebody become a police officer or a nurse or a doctor or a librarian. So let's keep my expertise in the right place, okay? All right, all right. It, 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 so with that, let's pretend we're talking about entrepreneurs, but what I'm about to say, it applies to everyone, but I, you know, I don't have experience helping a librarian discover they should become a librarian. Yep. So, so what I would, there's this, this exercise. And so in this new book, Entrepreneurial Leap, I believe everyone should discover their passion. Certainly that's in the, con, you know, in the context of an entrepreneur. But one of the many exercises I teach is, is, and I can't remember where I learned this, but I did this 15, 20 years ago, and it was so clarifying for me. So it's a 30-minute exercise. You go find your favorite quiet place. I did it sitting in a coffee shop, and you answer three questions. And so you're literally writing in a journal on a legal pad. Please write. Writing is very powerful. Yep. So first question you answer about yourself is you say, what are my three greatest uh, successes, my three greatest accomplishments? Second question you answer is, what are my three greatest failures? And then the third question is where the answer is, and it is answering, what has life prepared me for? Mm. And so, you know, what, what we are, what we become, our passion, this thing, it's, it's a lot of times it's based on our experiences. I am so obsessed about helping entrepreneurs and realize that light bulb moment because I helped my father as an entrepreneur. 
I was helping my young entrepreneurs organization brethren with their businesses. I just realized I have this knack, but I have it because I felt the pain that they felt. I experienced the pain that they felt and I solved their pain and I solved my pain. And so from that, you know, most of the time it's from a wound, it's from a past pain. That's where deep passion comes from. And so it's about looking back at those experiences and, and you'll glean great insight. And, and worst case, if you have no experience, go get some. That's right. <laughs> go, go, go take a leap and try something, man. Go get your ass kicked. Go fail a bunch of times. Go do scary shit. And, and you'll develop a passion. Yeah. I think you're so right. I mean, I, I think about my life. And so I was in a, a different financial firm before and you know, had a good life going. And, and what I always say is my income was going like this, going up, my satisfaction was going down because, wow. you know, you, you, like you said, it's hard to work for somebody else and sometimes. And so, um, you know, that's why in our culture now, we want everybody to be their own boss and run their own deal and, and grow it as big as they want. And I think sometimes fear though, don't you think plays a role in some people's taking that leap, right? If yeah. I have to take the leap, there is certainly, Hey, my wife was eight months pregnant with our fourth child. We had just built a home, uh, you know, uh, had a building, all this stuff, right? Now I'm going to leave and start all over. Like, what are you thinking? Exactly. And I remember very clearly my wife saying, Brett, do you think this is the right time? And my yeah. response was, no, this is a terrible time. It's uh-huh. probably the worst time it could possibly happen, yeah. but it's what my heart was saying, right? Here, so here, here. when you hear that story and, and, yeah. and fear, I mean, what kind of comes to mind there? No, it prompts a lot of things. And, and so bear with me because I want to start by creating kind of a bigger context and then a smaller context and then answer your question because I think it's so important it's in the right context. Um, so, so we're talking about fear. And, you know, the first context is just that reminder that, you know, again, what I'm doing all day every day is teaching entrepreneurs. The, that's the big context. And within that, you know, I, I, I can't help as I talk, I think about your listener right now, the, your audience out there. And, you know, maybe your audience out there isn't this entrepreneur in the making that this book is for, but it's, it's more than that because you have people in your lives that are entrepreneurs. Yeah. If you're not, they are. You have, you know, your kids, your brothers, your neighbor, your friends, they're entrepreneurs in the making, and this can help them. And then there's also people in the audience that want to help and mentor uh, entrepreneurs in the making. And so this is all great content to help them do that. So, so in that... Uh, the smaller context is what I'm teaching the world right now about these entrepreneurs in the making and that to be a true entrepreneur, you have to have six essential traits that you're born with. They are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker. I'll pause on that one and responsible. And so, again, I'm, I said I wanted to start with this big context and then we're going to come down to the point. Well, number five essential trait is called risk taker. And, and a true entrepreneur takes risks. They're comfortable taking risks. Not everyone is a risk taker. And so to this point about risk takers, there's just some people that should not take big risks. And if you lose your job in a pandemic, you might need to just go find another safe job and there is no shame in that. But in a pandemic, uh, in an 08, 09 Great Recession, in World War II, I could go back a thousand years and I could, right. you know, every 10 years, something kicks us in the ass. Um, that spawns tons of entrepreneurs. And so the risk takers that are displaced go take the risk you're talking about. 
But the nurse who's not a risk taker, who's an amazing freaking nurse that somehow got displaced, just needs to go find another great nursing job. And they're out there and they'll find it or something in that same realm. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I hope I hit what you were asking. No, you are. And I think to just keep diving down into that is, do you think you're born with that? Right. All these things, right. Are you born with it? Do you grow it? I mean, yeah. So 100% yes. Okay. So I'll start so that there's no gray area in what I'm about to say. Absolutely. freaking yes. You're born with these six essential traits and I love the debates and I, maybe you're going to debate me and I would love that. So, but here's, you know, so I believe you're born with them. You cannot teach somebody to be an entrepreneur. So I think it's such a sin to take this person who's destined to be a police officer and say, I'm going to turn you into an entrepreneur. It's just, it, it, it's not fair. Right. So anyway, so you're born with these. And I, and I, the one example I always love to give is let's use responsible. Okay. That's the sixth essential trait. And let's talk about how you're either born a responsible person uh, or you're not. And, and the example is, think about your brothers and sisters, okay? So think about a family of four kids, okay? Or three kids or five kids. How on earth can one brother take responsibility when something bad happens and the other brother blame the whole freaking world for all of their right. problems? In the, same house, in the same house. In the same house, raised by the same parents, same everything, same lessons, same example. Listen, you're, you either default to in your soul taking responsibility for shit that happens to you yep. or you blame the world. There are two types of people in the world and you listening out there, you're one of those two. That's right. You're absolutely right. And don't you think some of this is your, you, you, you kind of showed signs of entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism as a, as a kid. I, I, I think back to my seventh and eighth grade days when I was, I was selling candy out of my pockets, right. And exactly. making some, making some coin. In fact, my mom just sent me a picture the other day of the lemon head, container, right? They still had, they were storing stuff in. It's like, bring back memories. I'm like, yeah, one of my first businesses selling lemon heads. 100%. So absolutely. You know, and I would say, you know, 98% of the time, yes. The, the one concern I have is the 2% that said, you know, I never sold stuff when I was little. So maybe I don't have these traits. You, you probably, for whatever reason, something was restricting you from totally being free. My parents gave me freedom. I was selling stuff from the time I was six years old until today. So yes, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. that's definitely a sign that you're an entrepreneur in the making when you're just looking at ways to make a buck, even if it's 10 cents selling a cup of lemonade, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So um, talk about this passion and this driven, right? You said those two things were two of the traits. And so do you believe also that you can debate this is that you can learn hard work or learn how to be driven over time? Or do you believe you're born with that? Well, I, I don't think you can teach drive, okay? So drive, urgency, desire, um, you know, all the words to describe that. I believe it's in us and I believe you've exhibited your whole life. So, so no, I don't think I can teach you to be driven. I think I can motivate a person for about two days, you know? Yeah. So that's the other thing I say, I'm not in the business of motivating people. Put a, you know, put a fork in my eye now if I've got to spend my time motivating yeah. people. You're either motivated or you're not. So I can motivate somebody and it may last upwards of seven days, but if they are not self-motivated, driven, hard-charging, wanting something really, really bad, yeah. So I don't see it, but that's just my humble two cents in my experience. Yeah. I always said in my previous life too, that the, the, the toughest thing about leadership was I wanted it more than other people wanted it for themselves. Exactly. 
Exactly. Right? And you so, know, there's, a, there's a something great one of our EOS implementers shared in one of our quarterly meetings. You know, he said, if, if we work with entrepreneurial companies and their leadership teams. And he said, if you want it more than that leadership team wants it, <laughs> you know, you just became a consultant because you're going to be pushing and driving that team. The way it's supposed to work is they want it and we're just showing them how to get it. And yep. we're just harnessing driven entrepreneurial energy, but to every day say, you can do it. You can do it. I mean, right. the, come on, man. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a tough road to, to live. That's a it'll wear you out. That'll wear a man out. So yeah, I think yeah. too, though, like, so again, in transparency and vulnerability here, my, my first year being a financial advisor, 22, 23 years old, I had a really good first year but I didn't work real hard, right? Some luck came in, yeah. uh, good things happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. The next year, I mean, I, don't, I should have been fired. My production was so <laughs> low, so bad, right? Now, looking back, it was the best year I ever had because I learned so much about myself and so much about the world, right? As this young man right out of college. But I think, and I, I don't say this arrogantly, I think I grew up you know, playing golf and I wasn't the best student in the world, but I was just okay at sports, right? I, I got to play golf at a high level, but uh, I didn't have to work real hard at it. And, and I wish I did looking back. Um, and then I come into the business world and I have a great first year, didn't have to work real hard at it. My whole point to this long story is I had to learn a work ethic, right? Because I think, you know, talent only goes so far, but when you work, work hard and have talent, it can take you, the sky's the limit, Right. So yeah. that was, for me, it was a good moment, but I had to learn it, right? I wasn't born with this work ethic, I don't think. Well, but here's, here's what I would suggest, because I love it, because we are passive aggressively debating each other. So this is good. <laughs> so, so, but here, so here's some additional words that I like to use to describe driven. And I'm guessing you exhibit all of these right here now today, okay? So and I'm, I hope I'm gonna make this make sense. But I, when I say driven, I always, always say internal fire, urgency, competitive. You want to succeed. You're self-motivated. You hustle and you love working hard. So here's what I would suggest. You sought how you sought that work ethic because you're driven. Okay. If you weren't driven, you would not have sought that work ethic. Point one. Point two is. No, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. And listen, when I was studying geography in 10th grade, I was not driven. Uh, but when I'm playing chess, when I'm trying to think of all the things that I have no passion for, I show no drive for the things I'm not interested in. If, if I'm terrible um, at you know playing baseball, I'm not going to be very driven at baseball. And so when you find that thing you're passionate about, trust me, if you're, if you're a driven person, that drive is going to show up. And it showed up for you for whatever reason. It's always been there, but it showed up for you that year or two after you became a financial yeah. advisor. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I knew very early on I wanted to be successful. I, I don't think I knew at what magnitude or where or why or how. And I think for me, it took that year of getting kicked in the teeth and saying, hey, dude, if you want A, B, and C, you got to get to work, right? And, I, and you're right. I did, I did know. It's the old, you know, when you know your why, anyhow is possible, right? Exactly. I knew. I started to know my why at that point what yeah. my future I wanted it to look like. And so if I could impress upon anybody listening to this, start with that, right? Start with knowing why. Why am I doing this? Why is Gino trying to help somebody take the entrepreneurial leap? He knows that why. Therefore, he can go bust through doors and kick down walls and all sorts of things, right? Exactly. And, you know, with you, you know, not having that in the first year or two, maybe you were still just having a little bit of fun. You know, the truth of the matter is, That's while true. I was doing all those entrepreneurial things, I still wasn't 
quite ready to hit it super hard until I was 21. And man, between 18 and 21, I had a lot of fun. So I, I would not be described as being <laughs> yeah. driven between 18 and 21. Right. But I knew, you know, I knew how much money I was going to make at 25, at 30. Yeah. Uh, I was having a little fun in the meantime. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so when you think about the habits and, and either in your own life or in all these, you know, thousands and thousands of, of businesses that are on the EOS side, what are some of the things that you know, if I followed you around with a camera every day, what are the no miss items that I'm going to see you and other successful entrepreneurs uh, doing every day? Yeah, that's such a great, interesting question. Um, oh, so I, I, you're forcing me to pin down a handful. <laughs> uh, and, and when I say a handful, I just want to try and get it down to one, two or three big things. Um, but, you know, there's easily 10. You know, so first I would say, um, you got You got to have a goal. Okay. And so when I say a goal, I'm talking about something bigger than, you know, a goal for the quarter, a goal for the year, a goal. So, so what's your big goal? I mean, they all have beyond passion. I'm talking about a tangible thing. And I, the two examples I would give is for the last 20 years, uh, the goal has been for us EOS implementers to take 10,000 companies through our EOS process. That's what translates to the 100,000 companies running an EOS. And so we're going to hit that goal by the end of this year. I set that goal 20 years ago. Wow. I had 50 clients at the time. I had 50 and I said, I'm going to have 10,000 20 years from now. And so ironically, hopefully we'll see, but almost to the day we're going to hit 10,000 on the day I said we'd hit it. So so there's just there's a there's a universal power in you saying 10 years from now, I'm going to be this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to do this. And it can only be one goal. Yeah. And so the next 10 years, I've already kind of disclosed it, but the next 10 years, it's to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making. So the first point is have a goal. But I'm talking about a big goal. I'm talking about a big goal. And if you sit there and go, ah, you know, I, I don't know, or I can't think of one, or I don't believe, I, you know, you need to have a goal. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's that universal law that... that the things just line up and fall into place when you go to bed every night thinking about what you want 10 years from now. So I think that would be number one. Um, and I can interrupt real quick. I think yeah. th there's no coincidence that you wrote that down and it's happening almost to the day. Here, here, man. Here, I here, mean, here, here. You know, and then, and now I want to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making. And I think right now I'm at like 25. So I got, I've got some work to do. But think about that too, is the, to go public, number one, right? You set the goal, you went public, you're talking about it on this podcast, you're talking about it a thousand other times this week, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's a big deal in and of itself. Yeah. But the other thing is, I think so many people, the old, uh, was it paralysis by analysis? Yeah. Oh, I can't say a million. How am I going to get there? I don't know how I'm going to get there. It, you don't know how the hell you're going to get there either. Yeah, and the the uh, the early EOS implementers that were with us as Don and I built the company, you know, they laugh because what I would share because they look back on this. What I would share with them is I would always say, "Here's the goal, ten thousand. And this goes back fifteen years ago as we were recruiting EOS implementers. I'd say the goal is ten thousand, and I have no idea how we're going to get there, but we're going to figure it out one quarter yep. at a time. And so, literally, I disclosed to all of our people. We have no idea how we're going to get there. I have no idea how I'm getting to a million entrepreneurs in the making, but I'm pretty certain I'm going to. Uh, yep. I think about it every night and I'm doing things every day that direct me toward that. But I believe with a 10-year goal and 10-year thinking, you make better decisions. Time slows down. There's a piece about yep. that. Um, and, you know, and what we're doing here today, I'm on this podcast because it's going to help me get to a million entrepreneurs in the making That's right. in the next 10 years. 
I love it. So again, uh, I, we kind of got sidetracked there. I apologize. I, I like to interrupt and dive deep into some of that stuff. It. But so those habits and rituals. So again, do I find you, do you have the same morning routine? Is there the yeah. same evening routine? Yeah. So that's why I hesitated because am I going to give you some big stuff, some little stuff? So yeah. So now I gave you a big one. Now I'm going to give you a granular one. I'm going to give you a daily action. Okay. I love it. So this I share with people and the ones that do it, it they swear by it, the, you'll laugh at first, sort of. So, so it's a double whammy I'm gonna give you. And, and so I live my life from a legal pad, okay? So it's very important you know that first. Now what I'm about to tell you, you can do on any technology. And if you wanna look cool doing on a tablet, then do it on a tablet. <laughs> but my trusty yellow legal pad, which is right here in front of me, by the yep. way, um, it works like this, every night, before you go to bed, you need to know what you're going to do tomorrow, okay? So do yeah. not let your head hit the pillow, pillow until you know what you're gonna do tomorrow. And so what I do every night before my head hits the pillow is I lay out tomorrow and I'm laying it out on my legal pad. So literally, literally, I'm saying, okay, at you know, 7 a.m. I'm doing this, 8 a.m. So my meetings, my sessions, my calls, my whatever, my projects, they're all laid out. So when my head hits the pillow, I know when I wake up, I'm going to hit the ground running. And the power of that is you will sleep better. It's more peaceful, but also your brain, your subconscious yeah. is literally working while you're sleeping. And so it's solving a lot of those things for you tomorrow. You wake up more creative. Number one. Number two is when you wake up and hit the ground running, the second discipline with that trusty legal pad or whatever technology you're going to do is to put everything in one place. And so what happens is now you wake up, you hit the ground running, you've got a 10 hour day ahead of you and you have literally made 10 promises, had three ideas, you know, jotted down six phone numbers, whatever it is, but all day long stuff is coming to you. And the typical wild and crazy hard charging entrepreneur is writing shit everywhere, trying to right. remember half of it and putting it in their phone, put it here, put sticky notes stuck to stuff. Well, you're gonna forget half of it and you're letting people down and you're less effective. And so you just, everything like that, you're just writing it yeah. down immediately in the same place. And so for me, it's on that legal pad because now let's pull it all together. At the end of the day, when I'm preparing for the next day, I'm then pulling all of those things off that legal pad and I'm compartmentalizing them. And so some of those calls I need to make tomorrow or ideas I need to execute. Some I'm just compartmentalizing them. I'm time blocking them into my, but what I'm, into my calendar. And so what's happening is I'm now taking all those things and I'm going to honor every one of those commitments by then putting it in the right place. Yep. I don't forget a single thing ever. I never let anyone down ever. And I'm twice as productive by that simple little discipline. Uh, so anyway, so that would be the. I love that. So we, we couldn't be any more uh, in line. So I got ah, my two black journals. They go everywhere. The rest of them are back there from years heart. and years and years. Still August of 2005. So this is my journal. So those that listen, a lot of people ask this a lot. So this is my journal where I dream and my, I think, right? And I put my dreams in this one spot awesome. and it may be, you know, what do I need to do on A, B, and C? And, and just think about it, right? And then this one is the exact same thing of what you're talking about. Go into here and you can see the, the lines are already drawn in there, all this stuff. Awesome. And it's, it's where you work out of, right? Yeah, and, and I, would, I would just also take advantage of this opportunity and I would urge your audience to look it up. But the power of writing, the science yep. behind writing, it's you can't debate it, okay? And so if you just Google the power of writing, 
that you, your brain retains more, there's an emotional connection. And so, you know, there's studies done where, where students sit there and tap away at a laptop. They literally only retain half of what they would if they wrote it. So, so there's so much power behind writing. That's why I'm so fanatical. And what's kind of cool is technology has caught up where now, you know, you can have a tablet and you can write on a tablet. I'm still not convinced that's as good, but but at least they've technology has met the power of writing. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think too, the gift of like for me, and they may not care, they may burn them, right? But when I'm old and gone and my grandkids are great grandkids, they can go back 50, 60, 70 years and see, okay, yeah. what were they thinking back then in you know August of 2005? Yeah, it's so funny. And, and how old are your kids? Uh, 14 or not, gosh, 15 yesterday or two days ago. So 15, uh, 13, 10 and six. All right. So yeah. And mine are 25 and 28. So I've got bad news for you. So I started journaling over 30. <laughs> they don't care with the intention that someday they'll read my journals. I've tried, man. I've tried. So keep your expectations low. All right. I appreciate that. Journals, I appreciate but, uh, that. I've try- I'm going to keep trying. You never you're, know. Well, you're, maybe you're not old enough yet. It's you give me your grandkids that care more, not your, yeah, you uh, your pick kids. The, pick the bucket, then they'll take a look. That's right. That's right. Um, so talk about goal planning for you. So you, you, you talk about your 10-year goal, right? But we all have, whether it's a 90-day goal, a 30-day goal, a one-year goal. I mean, do you, what's the process you use to really hold yourself and your team accountable to making sure that stuff gets done? Well, it's, it's a, something I'm very fanatical about, and it's in EOS and Traction, and it's also in Entrepreneurial Leap, again, these two kind of business worlds of my life. And so, you know, I believe in 10-year, three-year, one-year, and the next 90 days. So you'll see that thread through both of these disciplines, both of these teachings. And so we already talked about 10-year, then boil it down to what I like to call a three-year picture or a three-year plan. And that doesn't have to, I don't agree with making that so rigid and tangible. It's just a picture, create a vivid image a mirage, something your mind can see, and, it, and you need to change it every year. So every year, push it out three years. Every year, push it out. So you get to revise the whole thing if you want. Yeah. That's three year. One year is, okay, now that you're clear on the 10-year, now that you're clear on the three-year, what this? you need to make it very, very tangible. What do you need to get done in the next 12 months? So here we are in 2020. What needs to get done in 2020? Here we are in 2021. What needs to get done in 2021? Very tangible. I believe three to seven is the magic number for goal setting. And then from there, next 90 days, what has to get done in the next 90 days? Again, three to seven most important things. So that's my goal setting process. That's the process we have 100,000 companies running on. And, and the process I have thousands of entrepreneurs in the making running on. Yeah, you know, it's a phenomenal process too. And I think the importance of that is, is so many of us can get a great business plan and all these goals and dreams and get fired up about it, right? So this is a great time of the year to be doing that. It's October, November, December. Let's get planning for 2021. But then what happens, right? There's a lot of people that just put it in the old top drawer, the old desk, and they never see it again. And so I think it's the accountability throughout the month and the quarters and the year to help you hit that goal, right? You're here. But by the way, I want to take advantage of the opportunity to say the other power of 10-year thinking, because it's another, there's an entire chapter in Entrepreneurial Leap on 10-year thinking. I've now seen the effect it's had on my life in the last 15 years, but, you know, pandemics, financial crises, wars, whatever the thing that's going to kick our ass every 10 years um, are a lot less stressful if you'll shift your thinking to 10 year thinking with mm. all due love and respect, it's just a blip. 
as right. cold as that might sound when you shift to 10 year thinking. Yeah. But if everything in your life is about today, you know, a crisis is going to send you into a death spiral of depression. Yeah. So, well, I think too, this pandemic thing, let's talk about that. I mean, it, it, it is bad, right? There are a lot of people that have lost their jobs and people have died. It is, it is terrible. But on the flip side, there's two sides to every coin, right? So, but it also can go in, you can talk to the people in your everyday passings of your life and how you doing? Oh man, this, you know, it, it is how you think about it, right? It's how you spend time thinking about this COVID. I can either choose to participate and think this is absolutely terrible, or I can choose to go out and make a difference in my own life and in other people's lives. And it is a mindset thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And let me just, since we're on it, um, you know, when, whether this comes off cold or not, I'm just giving a history lesson here. Okay. And the history is very powerful, you know? And so I always talk about a thousand years of entrepreneurial history, and I'm not going to go into that depth unless you ask me later about the things that change and the things that don't change in a thousand years of entrepreneurial history that will be the same the next thousand years. But what I want to zero in on is something my business mentor, Sam Cup, taught me. He talked about 10-year business cycles. And he said, Gino, every 10 years, there's a 10-year business cycle. And in business, you're going to have two great years every 10 years. You're going to have six good years every mm-hmm. 10 years. And you're going to have two horrific years that will potentially put you out of business. And that's going to repeat itself every 10 years. He taught me that 30 years ago, and that has now held true. And if you look back at history, it's happened every 10 years. And so, listen, the Civil War, 900,000 of us died. World War II, millions. COVID, yes, a couple hundred thousand right now. So that's horrible. But listen, in the grand scheme of history... Listen, we just aren't that freaking important with all due love and respect, people. This is just history happening. And it's and shit happens. Viruses come, wars come, life is hard. And if and if somebody's out there telling you that this fucking journey is easy, sorry for getting so passionate. I love get, it, man. Preach on. So passionate. There's nothing easy about this thing. So let's stop. Stop. We gotta toughen up and we gotta survive all these crises because 10 years from now, another one's coming. Yep. If you can't handle this one. So it's horrible, man. Death is horrible and it's heartbreaking and it's sad. But if you're thinking in these 10-year time frames, I mean it truly is a blip, a challenging blip. But again, going back to my point, if you're just thinking about today, man, you should be curled up in a ball in your house terrified and thinking about nothing but death because you're that's all you are you're you have this myopic view of your life so for what that's worth uh just i love that just i love that so i heard somebody really smart one time uh say something that happened a thousand years ago is still going to happen today and is going to happen a thousand years from now so what's not going to change so <laughs> I, I think I might have baited you on that one. But, uh, for what this is worth, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, my belief. But if you look back at a thousand years of history of entrepreneurship, I'm talking about entrepreneurship yep. in the next thousand years, there are things that change and things that don't change. There's two of each. OK. And so the things that have changed are products and services. And so products and services are ever changing, evolving, moving. So, you know. 150, 200 years ago, it was buggy whips and beaver pelts and all that good stuff. Um, And the the other thing that changes is methods of communication, how we communicate with each other. Okay. And so it was smoke Mm. signals a thousand years ago and then telegraph and fax machines and Pony Express. and, and, And obviously today it's through lots of forms of technology. 
So those are the two things that are ever changing, products and services, and the way you communicate. I'll come back to the point in just a second. The things that never change are that people will always have wants and needs. They are always going to have wants and needs. And number two, you will always have to persuade them. Selling and marketing is never going away. So, you know, so that's the last thousand years. Let's sit here today. So sitting here today, products and services are changing real time before our eyes in a pandemic. Okay. So just if you knew that as an entrepreneur, you won't be surprised because whatever product or service you have tomorrow that's valuable to your customers and clients is going to be irrelevant either one day or a hundred years from now, somewhere in that time. It's always going to change. If you know that, you'll stay on your toes and be ready for that change. And the way that you communicate right now, you know, it might be through texting, through email, through whatever it is. That's how you're communicating with your customers and clients. Well, it's going to be very different 10 years from now and 40 years from now. So it's going to change. And so you just need to keep evolving and changing. But again, sitting here today, Right now, people have wants and needs. Your job is to keep your ear to the ground and figure out what they want and need, and you'll adjust to that. And um, 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 you're going to have to persuade them. You got to market and sell. And so now let's shoot forward to the future. The product or service, who knows what it's going to be? Um, but you know, you might be populating Mars. I, I don't know. Right. But in how you communicate, we might be communicating through telepathy. Right. Uh, But a thousand years from now, whoever is walking this earth is going to have wants and needs. And you're going to have to persuade, market, and sell. And so those are the things that change and don't change. And that, if you understand that as an entrepreneur, there's a piece that comes over you. And you're not so attached to today's current product or service. Well, you're right. I mean, you look at the the people that didn't didn't change their business models over time. You you, you think of, uh, take Blockbuster, right? I just think of that there used to be one right down the road and here's somebody that, that had the world and then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone, right? And if you don't adapt, you're going to go. So exactly. that's amazing. If Elon Musk has anything to do with it, we will be on Mars, right? Yes, oh, for sure. <laughs> no, that's why I use that example. And right. we'll be mining meteors and right. uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. So what is, uh, what's Gino, uh, Gino Wickman's dreams now? When you think about where you're at today in this life, what's your dreams? Well, I mean, I think I've already shared it, you know, so it's certainly impacting a million entrepreneurs in the making. Uh, It's certainly working with my current clients. It's certainly watching and helping EOS worldwide grow. However, I can do that from afar because, you know, I'm still the EOS guy. Um, I spend a lot of time with friends and family. I'm I'm an introvert, so I'm very passionate about things that are more introverted in nature, but uh, certainly love to travel. So I'm just doing all the stuff that I love and just continuing to make me a better me uh, every single day. So if I go, I I love this question with people, but if I go and I I grab your phone here and I delete one app and it can't be email because you need that for work and it's kind of boring, but... If, if I deleted one thing off your phone, what are you going to be stressed out about me deleting? Mm. So um, not much because I'm not very attached to technology. Okay. So awesome. I don't, I never look at email. I don't see my email. Somebody manages all that for me and they let me know uh, when there's something I need to know. So you could take my email. Uh, <laughs> you, you just can't take it from my assistant. Right. Uh, uh, so I, I have to think hard because I'm not attached to any technology. So, but what's my favorite so thing? Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? So let's talk about that for a second. So you don't check email. No, that's just- so I love that, right? So I've got a system where I have my assistant, Robin, who's phenomenal. She checks everything as well. And then I have a private account that things go to that I need to see, 
right? So then, you know, my emails went from 150 a day to, you know, whatever, five a day now. Um, and so talk to our listeners though about that. And they say, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that this dude doesn't check email. Yeah. Well, so if you're an entrepreneur, you should never check your email. Okay. Because that means you have people, a true entrepreneur. Um, uh, so you have somebody that does that for you. You To get trapped in your email is the biggest energy drain on the planet. Mm. So you need to free yourself from that. As an entrepreneur, your mind needs to be free to be creative and have ideas and grow. That's where your time should be spent. And so just like you have your private email that you send it to, um, I literally get my, any email that I need to respond to, my assistant will leave me a voicemail. Okay. And so every day at 1030 and four o'clock, she leaves anything that she needs to leave for me. And let's pretend there's three emails she wants me to know about or respond to. She gives me a boiled down seven word version of it. You know, Charlie needs to know how you feel about this. Uh, can you tell Sally yes or no? And then I just simply call her back, leave that in her voicemail. And I'm done checking my emails mm -hmm. for the day, which is what it keeps me on the move. I, I never have to answer her call. So I will check that email on, I'm, I'm sorry, I will check that voicemail on my own time and I will reply to her on my own time. And it's really fast um, because it's a few things that I can keep in my head, quickly call back and leave that. So I, so I keep moving. I'm typically doing that while I'm driving down the road. So I just, you know, dial in. So anyway, so that's how I stay energized, creative, on the move and, and not become prisoner to a laptop. Now, this crazy virtual world that we live in and this podcasting life I'm living, you know, this is the only time I'm sitting in front of a laptop is to do a, is to do a podcast yeah. or, or, or a Zoom call of some sort. Sure, sure. I love it. I love it. So if you could go back and give yourself uh, some feedback, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago and say, Gino, listen up, man, here's what you need to really know. What would that feedback be? Uh, what age? Uh, 15 years. I don't know. How old would you say? You're 50 today? 53. 53. So let's go back to the, the 35 or 40 year old Gino. Well, 34 would be the perfect age. Because All right, let's say 34. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's what I discovered at 35 that was life-changing. And again, we've talked about it, but I'm going to give a little bonus thing on there. And so the first is 10-year thinking. And so I would tell my 34-year-old, ideally my 18-year-old self, is, is shift your thinking to 10-year timeframes. If you can think in multi-decade terms, time slows down, you make better decisions, and ironically, you get there faster. The second piece of advice would probably be let your freak flag fly. So just be you, 100% you, all of you and your greatness. Don't apologize for any of your weaknesses uh, and just fully be yourself. I love it. Last thing for you. I could go on and on for another hour and a half, two hours, but I don't think you want to do that. And, and our listeners probably don't want a three and a half hour Gino special. But I think they do actually. They just, uh, I would never be so presumptuous to think <laughs> that, man. This uh, it's taken me a couple of years to talk about myself like this. It's hard. It's I, hard. I, well, you're doing a great job, and it's and you can tell you're a humble man too. So yeah, I think it's it's great. Yeah, I did not do one single podcast building EOS worldwide, but for some reason for this project, I decided I'm going to talk to the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I think too, it's it's amazing your team, right? Is um, talk about that for a minute because. I said it was my last question, so I lied. But uh, 
working, you know, again, I've done this now. You're the 197th person I've interviewed and that's gone on for, you know, three years and it's just been amazing. And there's people that do it all on their own. And there's people like you, there's a system, right? And this thing has been a well-oiled machine from bios to books to you name it. I mean, this book came from you and your team, yeah. right? When three months ago we scheduled this podcast yeah. and it's amazing to me. And it was almost like a litmus test. Obviously you don't know if I'm doing it, but like, here's a guy that is walking the walk, scheduled yes. this, whatever it was, 60 to 90 days ago, anything in the world could come up. I'm like, huh, this will be interesting to see if this dude really shows up 90 days from now for a podcast with me, right? And I get an email from your team yesterday. Hey, just want to make sure we're on for tomorrow. What do you need? Boom, 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 boom. Here we go, right? Amazing. So I could go on and on about that, but talk about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, so you are simply a uh, recipient of the podcast process. So here's, here's how that works. You know, about three podcasts in two years ago, um, you know, it's a system. There's nothing new about it. It's a process. You know, I, with all due love and respect, I had no idea who you were up yep. until about an hour ago. So, <laughs> so when you reach out and want to do a podcast, there's a process that I put in place that my team follows to the letter non-negotiable. And so the first thing they do is they vet you to make sure that you're real and successful and that this won't be a gross waste of my time. And then from there, it's a bunch of steps. Um, just like you said, receiving the book, receiving the overview, the, the confirmation call you got just before this, it's a system. And so for every entrepreneur out there and kind of everyone else, you know, if you can just systemize everything in your life, it frees up all of your creativity. It's the ultimate freedom. And so this is podcast number 70 for me right around there. And so wow. the previous 67, all were in the podcast process so that we're all free. So the old four seasons quote, you systemize the predictable so you can humanize the exceptional. And so this mm. frees you and I up to just be exceptional uh, and creative for our audience here because all the details were taken care of. So, Love so, it. so apply that to every single, you know, sessions that I do, phone calls that I have, project, it's all a system. I love it. Well, check out the book, Entrepreneurial Leap uh, by Gino here. It's phenomenal. You can get it anywhere you get your books. Um, Gino, where can our listeners find more of you, connect, learn from you, uh, learn this EOS system, the Entrepreneurial Leap system, so we can be help you hit that goal of helping 1 million entrepreneurials find that leap. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So all things Entrepreneurial Leap are on the website, e-leap.com. You can get the book there. You'll find nine free tools to help entrepreneurs in the making. And so what I would suggest is the book is written in three parts, Confirm, Glimpse, Path. It takes that person on a journey to decide if they have what it takes to become an entrepreneur and how to start a business. So there's a free assessment on there that they can take. And the other thing I would ask is for anyone out there that has a passion for helping entrepreneurs in the making, I am literally giving them my content to teach. I call that a collaborator. And so if you're interested in becoming a collaborator, there's a collaborator button on the website. You'll learn about how to do it. Um, it's the no money changes hands, no agreements. It's just you to go freely teach people this content and change some lives. It is very much a passion project. Well, I will be a collaborator, my man. Awesome, Brett. Really appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much, Gino, for being on the show. It's been awesome having you. Pleasure, man. This was a blast. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, 
Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 